To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more is free shipping. $35 or more is free shipping. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn 2.05 APY all through your brokerage account. Secure secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock, I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Trying to get a straight answer out of a 23-year-old girl is complicated. So do you want to go out sometime? Out like go out or hang out or just do something? Like a date. Like a date date or like a date? Both the I guess. Yeah, sure, maybe. I don't know. Yes, no. Here's the first three digits of my phone number. Email me. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studio. Thank you. You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Or if you just want to be my, be my friend, you can go to uh, Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. You can hit me up there. You can ask me questions any, well, through any of those formats, of course. You can find me on alternative platforms such as Minds. I barely on it. I'm on Reddit. I'm on all these other, I don't know. I just... It's a. It, I don't want it to be uh, more more legwork for very little results when it comes to these other platforms. So I'm I'm easy to find. So it, it's not a difficult thing for that. I just I post here, I post there, and that's pretty much it. Now it, I'm I'm simple. I'm simple to find. I'm also on YouTube, of course. Dropped a new video last Sunday, Sunday morning, six a.m. Six a.m. It was a yeah. It was pretty good, actually. Let me jump into that too. It's a we yeah. I'm a little out of sorts because it's not four o'clock in the afternoon. Hell, I'm not even wearing a watch, and yeah. Okay, let me back up here. Look at the notes. Look at the notes. What I prepared. Okay, three, two, one. So yes, it is eleven o'clock. Or no, I'm sorry. It's ten forty-five. Up. Oh! And I am about to head out to go up north and do some holidaying. Yes, that's a verb. I made it up. 
So I'm going to go do that for a couple days. And I figured I'd get the podcast, not out of the way, because I don't want it to see like a throwaway podcast. Although I have to admit this first two and a half minutes wasn't the best. But mm, that's, but I figured I'd be bright and shiny today. And I fucking feel awesome right now. I got a really good night's sleep. I changed things up. Um, and I went to the gym this morning. Uh, I was going to go back to El Rincon and go grab some churros on my way up north. I still might do that. I'm thinking about it, but I'm not really sure. But maybe I should go with my original gut instinct because if I do bring it, it's just that little extra effort. It's That's the weird thing about when you go to like holiday get-togethers or whatever. Whether or not you should bring something. If you do bring something, what are you going to bring? Should it be alcohol? Should it be a food product? Is somebody there got a, an allergy? Is somebody vegan? Do you have to take them out back and shoot them because of that? I mean, it's it's very complicated as far as what you should bring. Well, I think obviously the basics are always good. If you're not sure, say if you want to bring like, um, okay, are you going to bring booze? Okay, what kind of booze do you bring? That's open-ended. All right. Do, do they drink? Okay, if you're going to look at wine. Well, do they drink wine, first of all? If they do drink wine, do they like red wine, but they hate white wine? Um, if... Or the vice versa. Some people hate red wine, and some people drink some people drink white wine. They like it, and it's so you have to really kind of figure that out. I generally, if you're gonna bring wine, well, actually, don't bring wine unless you know they're fans of they're big fans of wine. They usually keep. That's another thing. If they also have wine in the house, what kind of wine drinkers are they? Are they for especially with red wines? People are can be more particular. All right now. Are they just they do they just keep rows of apothic dark or apothic red, which is like an eight dollar bottle of California blend? All right, um, it's basically just sugar and red grapes. Or are they a table wine drinker like a CNR Fortissimo, just like a cheap jug, you know? Or do they tend to go up the notch? Do they keep some Liberty or do they keep um, some Bogle on the shelf? Or maybe they more local or or. Do they prefer to, you know, or are they just off the fucking rails? Do they spend 60 to to $100 on, on certain blends? Do they keep, uh, you know, from certain areas or regions, Italian or Court Fiore? Or they, that's another, it's, it's a mess. So don't bring, I personally would not bring wine because it's just too much of a, if you're going to bring something, you want them to actually have it. Like, like, oh, thanks, that's great, appreciate it. And then it gets thrown away because you realize that, when you break it down, you spent money to get you, sp- you spent money on gas, you spent money on tolls, and uh, to get prepared, you you spent time and effort getting ready for the day. You want to bring something that they're actually going to utilize. Like I brought churros last week because I knew that um, I, I I hang out with a lot of people who lift you know they lift weights, they like to look good, they're shallow individuals like myself. So I brought fat kid food. Because I knew it was bulking season and nobody gave a shit about what they were stuffing in their faces because they knew they were going to get drunk and bloated at night. So I knew if I brought churros with chocolate syrup and honey syrup that they were they were going to go off the rails. Although I am pissed at um, the fact that the churros, even though the, the, the cakes and the pies were properly displayed, that my fucking churros got thrown aside. I spent like $50 on those fucking churros. Those things were delish, and everybody who had one was out of their minds. Those things should have been hanging from the goddamn chandeliers. So that's another thing to to think about, is when you bring something, is it going to get just tossed aside? And also your taste has to come to consideration. So don't bring wine. 
don't bring wine. If you are going to bring a wine-based product, bring champagne because champagne is designed for special occasions. And do you want to bring a $10 bottle of wine, a bottle of champagne? No, not really. You want to bring any, anything 20 bucks or up, you're okay. And a bottle of champagne can sit for a year and you're perfectly fine. So it's going to get used. So if you, ha- if you bring a bottle of champagne, you won't feel bad if they don't open it that night. And you won't feel bad if they actually give it, go to another party with it and pop it there. So a bottle of champagne, in my opinion, is perfectly good. That's a, that's a great plan. So don't bring white wine, don't bring red wine, and don't bring pink wine. The only person I know who drinks pink wine is my fucking Jewish mother. Oi, vey! Don't bring pink wine, for God's sakes. It's disgusting. I don't know how they... I, that shit's made in a lab. It's like fucking meth. I don't know what it is. It's meth for old Jewish ladies. Oh, nope. I, I made an effort to not use the recliner during the podcast because I kind of slouch and check out. But so if, if you're going to bring a wine-ish type of thing, unless they said specifically to bring it, which I know I'm tapering off, uh, which is why I played that Family Guy thing in the beginning because that's what my fun, friend Bobby said to me. He wants me to be a groom. Well, he didn't say. He offered. I don't know if he necessarily wants me to be a groomman, but I'm going to be a groomman because he asked me to. But then again, I, I usually I take the long way home when it comes to answering questions because to me, everything is like a story. Everything is more complicated in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, so I played that because sometimes he goes, this is what it's like talking to you. Uh, like it's like a fucking teenage, like a 21 year old girl. Uh, and I'm, I am a bit dramatic and I do cry during movies. Mm. Speaking of movies, we'll get to that later. I, I did go check out Ford versus Ferrari and I thought it was really good. It tapered off towards the end. Wait, well, save it for later. Save it for later. We're still, we're still on bringing stuff for Thanksgiving. Okay. Now, if you are going to go with booze, champagne is definitely a go-to, okay? And don't go for the cheap ones. Don't go for Cook's. Don't go for, what's that one with the duck on it? What the hell is that one with the duck on it? I forget what it's called. Andre? Yeah, don't bring Andre. Just grab a bottle that's 20 to, 20 to 40 bucks, bring it to their house. Awesome. It may get popped that night, or it may get brought to another party. You won't feel bad, and they won't feel bad, and they'll actually appreciate it because it's a, it's a special occasion type of thing you bring that if they're coffee drinkers oh open-ended because then you can go with anything and it's gonna get used so you have to find out are they k-cup drinkers if you are a k-cup drinker that means you don't allocate your time very well or you allocate your time way too much down to the increments of the second which is admirable but i'm just gonna break it down to the fact that k-cups are k-cups are fucking disgusting uh, they go, th- you know, you're basically churning all kinds of hot product through plastic and you're not getting the maximum amount of coffee per cup. So in my opinion, you should kick the cake up to the curb and go back to the old fashioned French press or the perk top, which is always delightful. I'm actually growing to, to like the, the French press more than the pour out pour over that I've been using. And it's actually reflecting in the blend of coffee that I have sitting right next to me. Jim's organic which is actually quite I actually I like this coffee. I could Don't get me wrong, the hometown blend that uh the hometown coffee roasters that I had last week was really good. Uh it was a li- the blend I had was a little light. I think next time I should I'm going to have hometown back on here. And I'm I'm going to go with their espresso. I want something a little darker or a little bitter. Uh that's like basically all my ex-girlfriends. Um so I'm going to go back to the hometown 
and try them again. Same thing with the La Colombe. And of course, but this one, I think right off the bat, right off the bat with this one, it's darker. It's got a little more bite to it. And right in the, it's perfect for French press coffee. It's great with cream. It's great black all by itself. Maybe with a little bit of sugar. If you're a, if you're a sugar or stevia type of person, you're good. This is a good coffee. This is a really solid coffee. This is definitely, uh, I know I'm always, I, I give out stars like, like, you know, the Hollywood walk of fame, but this is a this is a really good coffee. This is made out of mass. Where's it from? Oh, I got the thingy right here. Would you just pick it up and read it, asshole? Let's see. Uh, West Wareham, Massachusetts, certified organic by Organic or Organ Tilth. It's pretty good. Yeah, organic coffee. You go to uh, let's see. They got a freaking website. Jim'sOrganicCoffee.org. Dot com. Excuse me. Delightful. And this is the Blend X, aka Witch's Brew, which. Whatever, I don't give a shit. It's delicious coffee. Hats off to you guys. You guys made an awesome cup. Actually, I made an awesome cup. All credit to me. Uh, my recommendation always when buying coffee is get it in a whole bean. That's another thing. All right, so let's get... Is this thing bleeding? I hope not. So, yeah, I, I gave myself a really nice shave this morning. Almost too good. You know, you get that little part of the lip. I got the Dollar Shave Club. Uh, I get the $9 a month, and sometimes uh, I get a little too close to the lip, and that those blades are sharp. Um, they get uh, I change it out every two weeks, and every two months they send me four new blades. Uh, I get the executive. It's quite good. For 9 bucks a month, it's one less thing you have to forget about. It's one less thing you don't, you don't have to worry about it. The blades come in the mail. You change them out. I should get them as a sponsor. I should think ahead. Uh, <laughs> so... With uh, if you're if you're gonna in so for booze, champagne, just twenty to forty dollars. Go with that coffee. If they're if they if they're just coffee drinkers in general, uh, go with go with local brands. Go with the Jim's Organic or go with the hometown roasters. It, there's another one that I drank a couple weeks ago, Fat Tire Blend. Okay. Um, You'll know what kind of coffee drinkers they are, or you can call them and ask them. You don't have to get um, – it's not offensive to ask people what kind of coffee they drink. I'll be like, oh, I'll bring some for you guys. You know, you'll know, you try it out sometime because coffee is for any time of the day. You can drink it in the morning when you're trying to interrupt your uh, your circadian rhythm. Uh, you can drink it in the afternoon, or maybe you can make it into a cold brew. There's many different types to it. It's a great gift. You can bring – you know, a couple bags. It's not expensive to do so. People like to try different types of coffee. Uh, if they're Dunkin' Donuts drinkers, then it's like, oh, great. I just saved myself a few bucks. I can go grab them a few bags of that. If they're Starbucks drinkers, there's all kinds of different flavors of Starbucks. Uh, there's also the company that I need to go back and get another bag of, which is Aroma Joe's. They make a great whole bean bag that you can pick up for like nine, 10 bucks. So a coffee is a perfect one. Coffee is a perfect one. Uh, don't go. Don't try to get any more creative than that. Find out what kind of coffee they drinkers they are. Bring it to them. It doesn't have to necessarily be for the party. It can be for the morning after when they're completely hungover and they need coffee and they need it now. Boom. There's one way of doing it. As far as like pure alcohol, mm, that's that's different. You have to know ahead of time what kind of booze drinkers they are and if you're willing to spend that money for that one night out. Okay, and also you don't want to bring alcohol knowing that if they're going to be offended, but you don't know if they're drinkers or not, or if they're people that you met for the first time, if they're people that you met for the first time, maybe you don't necessarily want to bring alcohol, bring, 
bring alcohol because you don't know if they're freaking if they just got it fresh out of an AA meeting. So you don't want to kind of yeah, you don't want to do that because you really seem like an asshole when if you go and pull a stunt like that where you show up with a big bottle of fucking Jim Beam. Hey, for the party. Hey, I'm a, I've been sober for two years. Oh, party's over. Okay, I'll go fuck myself now. So you don't know if you want to, I mean, obviously if I'm going to like my sister's or something or a friend of mine, yeah, I can go, I can go bring them a bottle of, you know, something and I'll know that it's a hit. But this is generally for the novice. Alcohol is generally a, a no for me. Champagne is always a win for, in my opinion. You'll know if you go into that party if they need a bottle of vodka or something like that. In that case, you can go get a bottle of, there's a company in Iceland called like Svedka. Not Svedka. Ranka. Rank, Ranka, I think it is. Ranky. It's uh, it's like 20 bucks. It's a good bottle. I know Dan Aykroyd just came out with a, a skull-shaped vodka bottle. Uh, that would be pretty good. Bottle of rum. A bottle of really good rum will always get used in my opinion. You don't want to bring anything that will inevitably start a fight. So, in my opinion, don't bring bourbon. Okay? you The last thing you want to do is go to a party, bring a bottle of bourbon, that gets cracked out, and then a fucking fist fight breaks out in front of two kids and the dogs. And you, So, I try to steer clear of that. Bourbon, in my opinion, from my experience, seeing that, it makes people angry or it makes them really obnoxious, which is usually the, the, the pivotal point of when people get angry... Because they usually, it's the bourbon guy who gets angry or it's the person who gets angry at the bourbon guy. So you don't want to, yeah, that dragon doesn't need to be slayed. That's for another day. Let's not go topple that government and turn it into a failed state. Let's just leave the bourbon out of this for the time being. So I would steer clear of the alcohols altogether. Now, food. Food is another thing. Uh, desserts are generally a good go-to. You, but it's and a lot of the times it's a guaranteed loss. Champagne champagne is not a guaranteed loss. That is a selective victory because it's going to get used. Red wine is a huge risk. But food is a, almost a guaranteed loss unless you bring something or you're known for bringing really good food, which I am. Uh so the idea of bringing food be careful cuz Oh, we're going to bring our mac and cheese or our buffalo chicken dip or something like that. Well, guess what? If there's going to be 15, 20 people, chances are there's going to be another variation of that stuff that you bring. You don't want to bring something too messy. You don't want to have to announce what you brought. You kind of just want to put it on the table, uh, be done with it. Don't make a big fucking deal out of it, okay? So I hope that... Who who the fuck is this? Get out of here. So I hope that um, you don't put so much effort into something that's not going to get a lot of results. Don't put a lot of effort into something that's not going to get a lot of results out of it. You're bringing something because you're maybe you're obligated or they said to bring something. So I, I want you to know that it's almost a guaranteed loss. So if you know how to make an apple pie with a nice flaky crust on it and you know how to bake the apples and it takes you almost no time at all, good. Make a simple apple pie, put it over there, bring a little whipped cream, bring a little ice cream or something like that, put it over there, you're done, Okay. You're, you're, you're in and out for 10 to 15 bucks at the very most, okay? And then you brought a really good apple pie. People will dive into it. A couple slices will get eaten. Or maybe the whole thing will get destroyed. You don't know. But you want to accept the minimal amount of loss. If you are expected to bring something huge and you are expected to deliver, well, that's a different animal altogether. That's a different animal altogether. A lot of the times, uh, if I'm going over to 
my buddy Bruno's house and he wants me to make the ribs, then I got to deliver. Then what you got to do is you got to boil those ribs for 45 minutes because, yeah, you can smoke them and all that stuff. But remember, you're bringing this to a party. People are drinking. They want food with their booze. So you also want to take into account, all right, I'm going to bring ribs to Bruno's, but I got to take I got to take into account time and then how much is going to get eaten and all that jazz. So I'll boil ribs. Standard ribs doesn't matter. They could be country ribs. They could be uh, St. Louis ribs. They could St. Louis ribs are always awesome. Or baby backs doesn't matter. St. Louis ribs. I think you get more bang for your buck. You boil them for anywhere between thirty and forty-five minutes to an hour at the most. Then you take those and you put the seasoning on them, and then you bring them over, and you throw them on the grill for fifteen minutes, and then and they basically fall right off the bone. And that's it. That's that's the easiest way to do it. And if you're good at shopping for rib, ribs, you can find them between seven and ten bucks per rack, and they'll get eaten right up. Ribs always get eaten right up. So that's what I would do there. And to offset, if somebody doesn't want to eat ribs, then you just go and get pizzas. Now you can order them from Domino's, I guess, if you wanted to. But for the most part, it's really easy to make pizza. You just go bit. You just go get the pre-made dough at the store whether it's in the frozen food section or the fridge section, or there's like the dough that they make there at the store. You grab that, you push that out, and boom. And then you just go grab a bunch of toppings and some easy sauce, and then you design it how you want. Oh, this would be chicken and sesame with a little bit of barbecue sauce on there. Or this one's going to be a white pizza, so you grab a little Alfredo sauce, you smother that shit on there, you sprinkle a whole bunch of cheeses, maybe a little bit of tomato, not too much tomato, because tomato gets really watery and it'll soak down. And you don't want to add too many toppings, because you want those pizzas in and out of the oven within 20 minutes. You don't want people sitting there waiting, tapping their feet, you know, telling you, you want that shit done. So pizzas, easy way. You also don't want to bring something that takes up a lot of effort in the kitchen. If you go into a party like the one I went to, you don't want to bring food that requires a lot of attention at the party. You don't want to be continually asking the host, oh, is this thing down? Can you turn it down to the hit this level? Can you oh can you grab me a knife and this and the you're you're fucking you're now you're just being annoying. Now you're just being annoying. And what I learned from um what I learned from a couple of my friends is minimal amount of annoyance possible when at a party, especially if you are not the life of the party or the host of the party. You want to be just there. You want to just exist. So you want you don't want to be as annoying. You don't want to be annoying with your food. Your presence is annoying enough. Don't make your food annoying either. So I'm going to pour another cup of coffee because this is actually quite good. There we go. Jim's organic. Jim's organic. Go and drink it. So that's so when it comes to food, uh, ribs are particularly are not hard. Ribs are ribs are actually more of a guaranteed win. Okay, unless you're going to like a vegan food festival, which in case you might as well go back and clock, uh, gl- you know, clock that Glock and uh, blow your brains out. But if you are going to a regular food thing where people are bringing food, if you bring ribs, you're 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 gonna win. That's a guaranteed win. That effort is going to work out. But you better be good. You better know what the hell you're doing when it comes to making ribs. Uh, smoking takes way too long, although it is an amazing finished product. Smoking definitely is an awesome product, and there are ways to get around it. But that is for another day. Uh, but if you boil them for 45 minutes and then you season them and you bring them over and you throw them on a grill or you just toss them in the oven, Hey, let me just throw these in the oven really quick. 
which the oven more than likely is on at the party. You throw them in there, and then boom, you break them out. Be like, ribs are done, and then everybody's heads turn, and you're like, ribs? Say what? Ribs? Gone! Everybody will come running for the ribs. Everybody will turn their heads and be like, dude, you're you're a winner. Um, are you single? So that is my advice on food. If you're bringing something bigger like a ham or a turkey, that's up to you. As far as bringing something that big, uh, be careful. Just just be careful with that. I I didn't want to. There those are those are a couple easy go to. So champagne if you're gonna bring booze because it's always gonna get used. And if you're bringing remember if you're bringing one bottle, maybe two. Bring two. Bringing one makes you feel cheap. And I know I've already been I've been accused of being a freeloader and a cheap prick on many occasions. And I'm not denying it at all. Uh, but if you're gonna bring champagne, bring two bottles. Bring two bottles, uh, 20 bucks each, so 40 bucks. If you're gonna bring 40 bucks, 80 bucks, that's a lot. That's a lot. But if you're gonna drop a 40, if you're gonna drop a 40 note on two $20 bottles, you're gonna be okay because that means they're gonna get popped. One bottle is cool. We'll save it for another time. Thank you so much. We'll bring it to a party. Two bottles, they're gonna get popped that night. So that's a W right there. Food, food, you bring ribs. Uh, there's And then there's everybody else is going to bring something else. They're going to bake a pie. They're going to do this. You know what's funny is they're going to spend, you know, you know damn well, these people are going to spend all freaking day on this one thing that they're going to bring, and they're, they're going to die on that fucking hill when it comes to the food that they bring. But they spent all day on that, and nothing else got done. I don't want to have to make spend all day on something and then be tired by the time I actually have to consume it. I want to be able be have enough energy to when I get to the party that the food is just like yeah, it's just an extension of of what we're going to do tonight. Like, yep, food was done. Yeah, it was no big deal. And then you bring it over and that's that. So you don't want to be exhausted to the point where you actually don't even go to the party. You don't want to stress over that shit. Now, as far as what uh I did go nuts on Instagram last night about this thing I keep preaching about, about how to make a turkey. Mm. People are like, oh, you got to fry it, or you have to brine it, or you got to do this. It's like, fucking, a, a turkey is, for the most part, can be a giant pain in the ass. I've made it super, super simple. You want a great skin, you want tender meat, and you don't want to throw anything away, and you obviously, you don't want to be sitting there for hours and hours just focused on that getting up at six o'clock in the morning and fucking prepping the damn thing and then putting it in the oven or getting the oil heated outside so you could dunk a turkey in there and focus on that shit now you get this giant oil bomb sitting outside when you're drunk as fuck and you're all of a sudden now you're gonna play with you know 500 degree oil great plan let me know how that works out for you stupid so i think here's the best way the easiest way and the most rewarding way to and you can pile on on top of this as far as what the options you prefer when making a turkey is how you make it. The easiest way to make it, obviously, and to get the most meat off of the actual turkey itself, because you know between a fifteen and twenty-five pound turkey, this absolutely applies. So what you do is now the, when you bake a turkey, most for the most part, when you bake a turkey, even if you put it on a rack, when you're done baking it for four to five to six hours, even sometimes that turkey, all the fat will start from the breastplate, drip through the breastplate, and then it will go down into the, the, into the stuffing, and then all that shit will drip down into the bottom part of the, of the turkey. Now, the bottom part of the turkey is where the thickest 
skin is. And then all the fat gets stuck in there. All the water, all the fat, all the juices, all the flavors, true, get stuck there. But when you flip that turkey over, it's all soggy, it's non-crusty, it's it's just gross. And a lot of the times there's a lot of really good meat in those crevices and along the and along the back plate, pure dark meat that gets wasted. And generally that part just gets thrown away or it's hard to it's hard to maintenance, it's hard to get through. So what I decided was cut the breastplate off completely. So you basically there is the skin of around the around the bottom of the breastplate where the breastplate meets the dark meat where it meets the wing and where it meets the uh the drumstick so you cut along the bottom of the breastplate and then from there you get you basically pull it back you pull it back like a freaking turtle shell you pull that shit back and then you have the two joints that connect the breastplate and connect the uh the wings basically and then you basically cut through those joints. Now, depending upon if you're a really good chef, you actually know how to cut through those joints properly, making it really easy. Or if you don't know what you're doing, you can essentially just take a really sharp or really heavy knife and just hack through that bone and then pull the breastplate right off and cut, you know, just cut the rest of the skin off. Then you take that breastplate and you and you put it aside. And anybody who's criticizing me, but listen, I fucking I've cooked more turkeys than my hundred, you know, my fucking grandmother than my mother, you know, combined. All right. Maybe some of you are asking, well, how many, uh, you know, how old your mother? She's 172. That's not the point. All right. Um, either way, I'm still up in points. I've cooked, I've got three turkeys in the freezer right now, and I've got actually the breastplate in the oven right now going, and last night the dark meat side was already done, and I was already picking at it like a madman, like a freaking scab. So the breastplate you cut that off you put that aside you flip the bitch over yeah all right you and then you basically you can put a little seasoning on there you can throw onions you can throw potato, whatever but the fact is you flip it over now you've got the advantage here now you got the upper hand so what you take <laughs> this sounds like a sounds like an aggressive scene here here's what you do you trap her in the kitchen you bend her over the sink you grab her by the back of the head sorry wrong page um you take the breastplate, you put it aside, you take the back piece, and you flip that over, all right? And the, remember, the drumsticks and the wings are still attached to the this whole thing. But what now you're going to do is you're going to put it on about 350. It's about a 15-pound turkey. You can do it for a 20-pound turkey. It doesn't matter. You flip that over. Once, it's, uh, once the uh, oven's up to temperature, you just throw it in the oven. That's it. You just cut the breastplate over, up, open. You flip the back piece off, and it's all spread out flat. And you throw that in the oven. Now what's going to happen is when it starts to cook, all that fat is going to separate from the skin and from the meat. And it's going to drain out of the back plate. So now you have all the, and now you have all this, now when the fat drains out, the skin is going to crispen and you're going to get this really crunchy skin. At minimum, two, two hours and 15 minutes. At most, two hours and 45 minutes. This is on a 15 to 20 pound turkey. And now what you get, in the dark, and the longer you want, and the more crispy you want, and the more fat you want to drain, you obviously go that extra 30 minutes. But you get this, right out of the oven, you get this really crunchy skin, and you can pull it right off. You just, you can peel all that skin right off, and you get all, and now you, the advantage of this is you get all this dark meat. All this dark meat that's not compromised by um, texturally aggressive 
or overwhelming amounts of fat and gristle. It's all gone. It's all drained. You get this you know you get this slightly glistening, delicious, flaky, tender dark meat in all the crevices and you can literally clean that thing right off. It's easy to pull the drumsticks. The drumsticks now have this really nice crunchy skin on one side. All the fat strained out of them, you get all this dark meat. It falls right off. The wings are perfect. The wings come right off. You chop the, you do whatever you want with the wings. Usually somebody claims the wings and somebody already claims the drumsticks. And then, and that's it. And then you, you have this perfectly cooked side in two, two and a half hours. You're done. You're done. And then you have this whole breastplate too. What you do with the breastplate is you take all those extra giblets that come in a bag and that stupid neck. You throw that in there too. You add a little bit of oil if you want to throw it in a cast iron pan. You can do that. At the end of the day, with the breastplate, you do want to cover it in oil. Not cover it in oil, stupid me. You cover it in a little bit of seasoning and then you cover it with foil. You throw that in the oven for two hours, that's done too. If you have a big enough oven, you throw them in at the same time and everything's done. In two and a half hours, you've got a 15 to 20 pound turkey. Everybody's fed and it was easy to do. It was easy to do. Now, if you want to, you here's the thing. You have the option of basting the breastplate. You don't need to baste the back plate. You don't. You literally just flip that over and throw it in the oven. And in two and a half hours, it's completely done. It's totally ready. A little bit of seasoning. And then you take all that fat that drained out of the breast, out of the, the, the back plate, and you use that to baste or to flavor or whatever the the breast meat or use it as a gravy or use it as a soup or whatever but you have the options you've wasted nothing you've absolutely wasted nothing and at the very minimum to season all of it is maybe just a little bit of all seasoning or whatever ethnicity flavoring you're into i used goya for this last one with a little bit of saffron in it and it came out perfect absolutely per- well in my eyes it came out sufficient it came out really really well and also, as a, a person who is a, a, a former fitness athlete, too, I'm always doing prep food. I'm always prepping my food. So I need proteins and vegetables and carbs and fats throughout the week. So I've got to have large amounts of food on demand to prep every evening. And guess what? A turkey is an excellent way to do it. And that's why I have. That's why the prices drop. During Thanksgiving, you go get a 15 to 20 pound turkey. It's going to cost you between $5 and $8. 5 and $8, and you've got 10 to 15 pounds of meat, all right? And that's that's a cost-efficient way to do it, and it is. The amount of food that I eat, because I'm a fucking fat pig, uh, it can get expensive. So obviously, if you can spend between 5 and 10 bucks and have a giant mass of nutritious, nutrient-dense protein, especially with the dark meat, that's a go for me. So I'll go and pick up three, four at a time, and probably by this weekend, I'm going to go pick up two, three, four more of those bastards and be ready to go. So that is my thoughts on a cooking a turkey. It's an, a simplistic way of, of just having an easygoing, chilled-out Thanksgiving. You know, a little bit of champagne. Maybe you have some ribs that you've been boiling for a little bit. And then, of course, you go ahead and you you have this turkey that's the hardest part is cutting is cutting through those two bones, those two joints that separate the breastplate. Once you do that, everything's just flipped over. You throw them in the pan, you toss them in the oven, and you're done. 350 degrees, two and a half hours, everything's done. Try doing that with any other product. Try doing that with any other product that produces a massive amount of food uh, in that time period. 
You just throw it in the oven and leave it. You don't have to worry about it. Now, you can worry about you, your biggest concern is maybe at that point is whether or not the breast meat dries out, whether or not the breast meat dries out. But if you are basting it or if you cover it with foil and you have a bunch of water or oils and other things in there that are also uh, helping the breast meat absorb more food, absorb more liquids and of course you can always inject the breast meat with uh soy sauce if you want you know you know how i am about soy or uh hot sauce hot sauce works really well because you're injecting vinegar you're injecting uh, pepper you're injecting salt you're injecting sugar you're injecting pulp that's a w right there or anything else or if you make your own seasoning and you inject it, that's a great way to go too because then you get those little pockets of juice and then you cut right through it and then the juice comes yeah it's just just awesome. It's just awesome. So I totally recommend to do that. So those are my thoughts on that. Also, uh, let's see. So we talked about the coffee. This is Jim's Organic. Quite good. We talked about turkey. We talked about what to bring to, um, you know, holiday parties. Pretty simple. Don't make it or complicated. The most, the thing you should be focused on more than anything when you go to a party is how you look and how you talk. Everything else should be easygoing and simple. All right. Don't take so much effort on all this other bullshit that you forget how to be a human being at a party. Uh, I have my personality. It's you know been so far accepted at most parties. And if you know what? If you don't feel like you're in place at a party, if you feel like you're out of place at a, at a get-together or something, then just keep your mouth shut and just kind of step aside. Know where you are wanted at a party. And then when everybody, you know... If you're maybe you're stopping by, just say, keep it light. Be like, yeah, I'll stop by for a little bit. Happy to do that. I'll stop by and bring something. And then when somebody, everybody goes to go do something else and maybe you don't feel part of it, just kind of make your way out like I did. Although if you do feel like saying goodbye, say goodbye. Be like, listen, I, I got to take off. You, you guys have a good night. I got, you know, all this other bullshit. So that's, that's how I roll. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about or if you have thoughts or opinions on what to bring or how to address these parties or anything like that. Oh, and don't show up early. I finally learned not to show up on on time or early at these parties. Show up 15, 20 minutes late. Unless it's one of those things where you have to be there on time. Show up late. It's cool. There's nothing wrong with it. Fashionably late is okay. All right. I saw I saw a really good movie last week. Uh, or did I see it Sunday? I saw a good movie earlier this week. I saw Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, Christian Bale and... Matt Damon, Matt Damon was in it, and you know what? I thought that Renee Zellweger played uh, played the wife of Christian Bale in the movie. I was, and I I swear I thought it was her. You know, Renee Zellweger. She was in friggin' uh, Bridget Jones's Diary, Bridget Jones's uh, Dilemma, Bridget Jones's Apocalypse. She was in all those. Uh, she was not in this movie, but this other chick who was in it was really really good. I don't have IMDb up, so I apologize to the chick that doesn't know about my podcast at all and doesn't, definitely doesn't care. But she was really good. and I, I mean, she played a really good uh, character. She was a flawless... It was a flawless ap- approach to the wife of Ken Miles. She was fantastic. Christian Bale, as always, loses 30 pounds for a role and knocks it right out of the park. He literally almost was the same character that he was in The Fighter with Wal- Mark Wahlberg. Uh, uh, slightly few more pounds in the character that he was in The Machinist, where he was basically near death because he was so freaking scrawny for that movie. And then in this movie, he plays a scrawny guy as well. 
but he plays a really good racing type. He's constantly pounding coffee. He's a he's an aggressive approach. He's a uh, not the more social type. He's really good. He's really good. Like the the consensus was was he played a near accurate Ken Miles, and then Carol Shelby was played by uh, Matt Damon, who was kind of rogue. He was a bit uh, aggressive as well. He wanted to do things his way. Definitely cocky but confident. It made some of the most classic cars. Ever. He made the Shelby Cobra, which even the kit versions of the of the Shelby Cobra, which are called Factory Fives, I believe, they go for between they go for like between eighty and one hundred thirty thousand dollars. The original ones used to go for like one hundred fifty, but the now now Shelby Cobras go for around like a million or something something crazy. They go for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Shelby Cobra. You look it up. It's like the nineteen sixty seven Shelby Cobra. It's got a bubbly top. It's got a uh, I forget what that that freaking bar, that convertible bar in the back. Uh, guys used to wear helmets when they were driving them. Came with a 427 iron block. It was an awesome, awesome car. Two-seater convertible. It's my type of car. Uh, but he was tasked with designing a, a, uh, a, a car that would beat Ferrari in the Le Mans. The Le Mans is a 24-hour race. It consists of, what, three or four drivers? And they rotate throughout 24 hours of uh, of racing. One car, so you got to build one car that can go for 24 hours at full blast. And Ferrari was owning it for years. And then Ford decided to finally jump into the mix. And this is why... Um, Lee Iacocca was on staff. Carol Shelby was brought on. Henry Ford II was the president of the company at the time. And then a gentleman named BB also was, an, was the high-end executive there. And they brought on Carol Shelby, and he, he brought on one of his drivers to test and design the, G, the, what was the Ford GT, which eventually did. And not only did it beat Ferrari, uh, Ferrari's engine blew uh, during the during that race, that classic Le Mans race, where actually Ken Miles kind of got kind of got screwed, where he slowed down so that all of the G four GTs they won one two and three they went one two and three in this race, but Ken slowed down and due to a technicality he he took second to Bruce McLaren. You know McLaren they have they make the uh, the P the hell they make they make the LP seven hundred they make a whole bunch of psycho cars. So, yeah, Ken, and then Ken later died during uh, testing of the second model uh, of the Ford GT. But the movie itself, as far as the racing goes, the racing was great because they show him racing on local circuits, they show him racing at Daytona, and then they show him racing uh, at Le Mans. And, and the, the whole friendship between Carroll Shelby and the and, and Ken Miles, and then his wife and his kid, and then the sort of battle at Ford. If there was one, maybe it was a little bit uh, Hollywoodized for effect of maybe it wasn't so much Ford versus Ferrari, but maybe Carroll Shelby and Ken Miles versus certain Ford execs. And then uh, Lee Iacocca, who went on to work with, I think, Chrysler, he was in it. He was played by John Bernthal. John Bernthal's been in numerous movies, and he played the uh, Punisher on Netflix. And he was in it. He had a really, really good part. He was a guy you kind of rooted for in the movie, but he was just—he was definitely a secondary role. Where you definitely were more focused on Ken Miles and his relationship with his son, his wife, and then of course Carol Shelby. But every character in the movie was really well played. I 
did not have an issue with anybody in the movie, any of the of the actors or actresses that were portray, uh, that were hired on to portray these characters. Really, really good movie. The thing is, is it didn't have a huge crescendo of an ending. Yeah, it did have, the, ultimately, it had the huge race at Le Mans and basically Ford winning outright. But it kind of petered off where they, they go, the Ferrari and the Ford go, because it's a historical movie, so you can go and look at it, so spoiler alert. But it kind of petered off after Ferrari had that issue and it just kind of, eh, kind of came to a slow stop instead of a boom, huge crescendo and Ford does this and Ken Miles rides off into the sunset. No, he, he doesn't. Um, he played an integral part in the movie for sure, but it just kind of, then history kind of takes its course and it kind of peters off into this like sad, bittersweet type of ending. But ultimately Carol Shelby becomes one of the most renowned car designers of all time. And the name Shelby lives on in the Shelby GT350, the Ford Mustang Shelby GT350, the Shelby GT500, which was uh, displayed in the movie Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage, but the new Shelby GT500 and 350 are psychos. They're absolute psychos. And if you've ever met a Ford Mustang driver, me, we are erratic. We're troublemakers. We um, love to do donuts. We are, we're an interesting bunch. And a lot of the times, we're actually not very good drivers to begin with. But he lived in a place. He lived in an area of Texas that I actually vacationed in for a few days. But for the most part, he was a rogue. He loved to do things his own way, and his cars go for insane amounts of money. But if, yeah, go and look up just just go and look up the history of Shelby in general. Go and look up Carol Shelby, and go and look at the cars designed by Shelby. Like for example, when when Mercedes makes their AMG uh, AMG type of cars, the AMG is a Skunk Works facility where they take these Mercedes S classes and E classes and uh, C classes Mercedes, and they go and they just jack them up. They fill them full of steroids. They put the different suspension in them. They go and put larger engines in them. They bore them out. They make them just designed for not so much racing, but for just starting shit. Uh, on the streets and they're just out of their mind crazy uh, they get way more expensive and they're just there's way more stuff to play with so shelby does the same thing with uh with the ford mustang especially and then eventually the shelby gt came back into production for consumers back in 2005 there was a lot of electronic issues with them and then they came back out with the new one which is like a twin turbo v6 but it's an absolute race car inspired uh, type of GT and very well reviewed on uh, the Grand Tour. So there's that. So Ford versus Ferrari, even though the ending kind of petered out, I still gave it. It was a really good movie. It was a great. Uh, you can get. You can just. You can pace right through it. It's. It doesn't drag down. There's a lot of good. All the all the characters in the movie really do kind of, you know, like to jive with. So four out of five stars for Ford versus Ferrari. It just. It just came out. Um, I really liked it, and I would totally watch it again. And I think you really like the characters. And I really think you'll like Matt Damon's character. He did a really good job portraying Carol Shelby for what I know about Carol Shelby, who just recently passed away just a few years ago. So uh, I do have some. We are at 45 minutes of this pre-Thanksgiving uh, episode of Positive Sarcasm Podcast, which is what? Episode 97? I'm coming up at week 100. It's just a few weeks away. I mean, I've been thinking about it, but I haven't really been thinking about what I'm going to do for it. Probably won't. I'm, I may end up not doing anything. I may just do the podcast and move on to the next one, one-on-one. But I do have some Q&A that I want to get to. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've covered a lot so far in this podcast, but I do want to get to the Q. We'll definitely close up with the Q&A. Oh, yeah. One other thing, too. When it comes about talking about Turkey, enough with the tryptophan jokes. It's bullshit. The whole tryptophan thing is a giant lie. Tryptophan is a minuscule amount in any turkey that you eat. The reason why you get so tired and so sleepy and so exhausted from your whole Thanksgiving day is because you've been drinking since noon, you've been eating since 8, you've been all over the place the whole freaking day traveling and stressing and getting everything prepped that by the time you're stuffing, you're done stuffing your fat fucking gills throughout the entire day by seven o'clock and the game's on your your blood sugar levels have now crashed from all the shit that you've stuffed down your face from all the booze that you drank what else is your gonna bot your body gonna do at this point besides go i need to take a break and then your body just shuts down because that's what happens anytime you eat a large amount of food okay you aren't just eating turkey you're stuffing your face with this simple glucose uh um these simple sugar uh crock country butter fucking stuffing things which is all just breading then you've also had about three or four or 12 beers and you've also had about 90 pounds of fucking dessert so by the time all this sugar you literally have eaten 2,000 calories in three hours and you've drank 2,000 calories in three hours so you've had 4,000 calories of garbage that your body doesn't normally process on a day in and day out basis that you are done. Your body is done. It has absolutely nothing to do with tryptophan. It is all bullshit. So do me a favor. Stop with the jokes about the tryptophan. They don't. It doesn't apply anymore. So just get rid of it. Um. So I just wanted to get that out there. Tryptophan jokes. Knock it off. It's not big. It's in even with you don't even eat that much turkey. You maybe eat about two or three hundred calories of actual turkey during your Thanksgiving thing. Everything else, all the other calories just come from straight garbage. All right. So there's that. I do want to get to some Q&A because we are at 48 minutes. I want to get to some interesting Q&As. I had a few of them popped up. So I can go ahead and put away the notebook and I can just grab my coffee and my laptop and we can close out the show the right way. Okay. Also, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Dig Q&A. Dig Q&A. Dear Abby. All right. So let's get to the first one. All right. Can I force my son to change his name since he has the same name as a porn star? Our son, almost 17, shares his otherwise unique name with an adult film star. When he first realized this about two years ago, and the problem has only gotten worse as the star has become more prolific... Huge dick. Any search of the name yields only pages and pages of the star's porn stars porn links. There's no shortened form or nickname, and our son has no middle name. So we don't have options but to legally change it. Oh, do you? The problem is our son does not want to do this. He doesn't care about the overlap. It's the, it's the only name he and everyone else has and has ever known him by. And a change will likely highlight the underlying reason. But we're worried that this will follow him negatively as he starts to apply to schools and eventually workplaces that will search his name. Rather disturbingly, a very cursory review of appearances might compound this. The adult performer is fairly young and shares, and shares race and hair color with our son. Should we play the parent card and force a legal name change? 
we would allow him to go by the former name with friends and family? Uh, the answer is almost certainly absolutely not. Okay. Um, I do get that. And it kind of kills the joke for, you know, what if it was a, you know, giant German dude with a fucking 12 inch dick and your son is a little Asian fella with a stereotypical uh, body type. So that joke goes kind of out the window, but hey, what are you going to do? But as far as I'm concerned, no, you, you named your son that stupid. Okay. Granted, you know, uh, Johnny, <laughs> Johnny two nuts was not, you didn't know that that guy was going to come around and become a giant porn star, but you named your kid that that's the end of that story. There's nothing you can do about it. You didn't name your kid Adolf Hitler. All right. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, uh, six million Jews are dead. This is not the case. This is a, uh, a kid who you've put through school, you've fed him, you've taken care of him. And all of a sudden, whatever it is, all becomes a giant film star. Obviously, if this kid's got a, you know, he's got a four years at college and they're, they're going to and all this stuff. And he goes for his first job interview and then they do a gurgles, a, a gurgle, <laughs> a Google search of or they check his social media or whatever like that. Well, I think they're going to be able to tell the difference of whether, uh, first of all, that, that search, that's actually going to be on his side. Because say they, they do a cursory search. They look him up uh, through LinkedIn. They, look, they check his LinkedIn account and all that other stuff. And I'm not a big fan of going on people's social medias to check and see if they're employable. Uh, it's just I, I can make an argument against that. Maybe not a large one, but I can. But as far as I'm concerned, if they do do a search... And they're going to shut their laptops pretty quickly if they do a cursory search of whatever his name is and some other dude pops up who's going to pound town on some on some 22 year old. They're going to be like, oh, dear. But maybe maybe just before they check the lap, they close their laptops. They call up I.T. and be like, yo, uh, somebody hacked my computer. You need to clean out the history and all that other stuff. My computer got a virus. Yeah, sure. It did, pal. Um, it also needs a good, la also the keyboard needs a good cleaning. They're going to check the face of this dude who's, uh, who's crushing it and they're going to see, oh, that's not him. That's not him. That dude's 37 and, uh, not, you always, yeah, it, they're just, they're not, that's, it's fine. You can leave it alone. It's no big deal. So quit being a fucking bitch and uh, leave your son's name as it is because by the time, if he's really against this and you want to change his name, he's just going to, at 18, he's going to change his name back and then he's going to disown you for being piece of shit parents. Boy, I got aggressive on that one. All right, um, here's the next Q&A. Did I prepare myself for this one? Um, okay. Do I have to keep working with someone who gets off sexually on our work? Hmm. Might have to skip this one. I am a volunteer for a nonprofit where I help coordinate volunteers for big living history events. I have known for several years that one volunteer, we are both gay, is interested in experiencing that. It's It says that in the thing. I, I'm not saying that. I'm, it's in the thing. Uh, parentheses, we are both gay. Is interested in experiencing the master-servant dynamic as a servant to male master because of his interest in BDSM as well as history. In parentheses, he divulged this to me privately. He behaves appropriate with volunteers and visitors at the historic sites where he portrays a servant. But on Facebook, he makes a lot of, quote, joking comments on other people's posts about wanting to serve men, be humiliated, be punished, etc. That I knowing that I knowing 
He is not joking. Find very uncomfortable to read. I have spoken to him about his social media behavior several times, suggesting that he dial it back. And that he always respond by saying that he is joking and I am misconstruing his actions. My question is, since the person is behaving appropriately when actually at historic sites, particularly the one I volunteer for as a coordinator, do I need to let this go and pretend that I do not know he is getting his jollies off? All right. Well, he kind of opened Pandora's box by saying that he, well, he gets off on this and he divulged it to you privately. That was an issue because that kind of led you down the path that he talks about that. He is, in a way, talking about work. That's the one thing in social media. Don't ever talk about your work. Okay. If you're talking positively about your work, you're faking that you actually like your job and you talk about, I'm so happy to be working with these people and blah, 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 and, you know, all that shit. Okay. That's one thing. Don't over post about how your job sucks and stuff like that. Just don't talk about your job at all. Everybody has a job. Everybody fucking hates their job. And that's the end of it. And you're always, you should always be working to get out of your fucking job uh, with every waking moment of your being. This guy is joking about his job in a very sexual manner, and it and it is tied to his job. So, yeah, he should knock it off. Normally, I say, yeah, it's social media. It's nobody's business. Well, it's public. So, yeah. Even if he was at Town Square saying this stuff, it's still inappropriate. And he told you about it, and it's con- and he is, re- he is basically bringing his job to his social media posts, which means he needs to dial it back. He needs to dial it back. And that's that. I don't have any other way of saying it. It's just, it is inappropriate. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much as far as you can go as that. You can tell him, I'll be like, dude, you, you, we've talked about this. You told this to me privately. You shouldn't have because this is a work environment, which is another reason why you shouldn't associate with, with employees outside of work. Uh, and he did. And he continues to do it. So you might have to have another conversation with him. And if he's getting his jollies off, uh, gross. That's gross. If he wants to do that, yeah, he just doesn't need to tell you about it. Okay. We can do one more. We can do one more. Let's see. Should I press charges about a waitress who trapped me in a bathroom? Some. Should I have pressed charges against a waitress who trapped me in a bathroom for no reason? My husband and I were getting ready to leave dinner, leave after dinner, at a restaurant we've patronized for 15 years. Well, good for you. I went to the ladies' room and was washing my hands when a waitress I don't care for came barging in, got in my face, and started yelling at me. I tried to leave, but she wouldn't let me out of the restroom. I asked several times to let, I asked her several times to let me out, and she kept telling me no. When she finally let me go, I told the man in charge what she did. My husband called him later, but the manager believed the waitress who I said who said that I started it. Another waitress who calls me her sister didn't answer the text I sent her. This seems very weird. I am very hurt that she ignored me. Clearly, she believes the waitress, too. The restroom encounter left red marks all over my arm, but the manager didn't care. The offender has left town and moved out of state. I am 74 and was tempted to go to the police, but didn't. Now I wish I had pressed charges. Should I have? Uh, there's more to this. There's definitely uh, more to this situation. As the original uh, answerer had said, I think for the most part, you should just... If this is a chain then you can say something. Don't go on Yelp and be a freaking 40-year-old white lady named Karen. Just freaking let it go. Uh, there's There's got to be more to this information. You say you're 74 years old. You've been going here for 15 years, which means that there's other stuff br- that's been brewing or something like that. If it is a... Okay, the, the girls quit, so there's nothing else you can do. You can stop going to the place, number one, and go find another place to patronize. It's been 15 years. You've had your run. 
Go find some, go find another restaurant. Uh, you don't need to be eating Chinese food every fucking day. So it's pretty delicious. So just get the manager called. The husband called later. The manager believed the waitress, and then it's like, all right, well then, then done. You're not going to spend your your money anymore because going out is expensive. So you don't need to go there anymore. Go find another place. Start cooking at home. The lady has quit and left town. So there's that's it. She doesn't work there anymore. There's no reason to start any more shit. So that's that's there's you don't need to be pressing charges. You don't need to be pressing charges. That's that's stupid. So. Uh, yeah, you were done with that. Let's do one more. What should I do after my best friend started sexually harassing our roommate? My best friend, best friend, uh, parentheses, a gay man, confessed to our roommate, uh, parentheses, a straight man, that he's been madly in love with him for two years and, quote, will always will be. Wait, this is, co- is this, okay. I expected this to ruin our friendship, but after our roommate explained that he wasn't interested, everything was fine until recently. My BFF began BFF began pushing boundaries. Last night, for instance, he jumped into our roommate's bed and begged him begged to sleep with him. Our roommate asked him nicely to leave, but finally had to yell at him. I advised my BFF to move on to available men, but he won't and says he can't. Help. There are two years left on our lease. Okay. The straight dude needs to beat the shit out of the gay dude. <laughs> Alright. I I'm sorry to say it, but look. If somebody's coming on to you, well, okay, me obviously I did that for comedic effect. Yeah, the the this guy who's hitting on this other dude, he's being way too aggressive and he needs to f out. Um, the if it was a girl, if it whatever it is, he is pushing boundaries. He needs to stop, and you as the roommate needs to lock the door. You need to lock this guy up. Like you can't come here anymore. You need to get over it. Uh, and, and that's the end of that. You can't, th- this is your roommate. This guy, if he's your roommate, that means he's paying half or some large amount of money for, to live there. Okay. Which means he expects certain amounts of privacy. He expects to be able to do his own thing. Um, and he doesn't need another dude, uh, creeping in on his territory to, I mean, if th- this was the same thing, say if it was like, say this, this, this roommate was in a relationship with a woman. Or another dude. I guess it really doesn't matter at this point. And this other, this, this, you know, this stalker basically keeps barging in and jumping in on the bed or not necessarily either going after you, going after your, or, or going after your boyfriend or going after your girlfriend. First of all, if it was another dude jumping into the bed, uh, trying to hit on your girl, you pound the fuck out of this dude. You drag him out of there uh, by the back of his hair and throw him out of the sidewalk. But this guy's coming after you. A gay dude going after a straight dude. Yeah. The dude needs to take command or and push this guy out. He just needs to get he needs to get rid of him. You gotta get him out of there. Uh and you, as your he's your best friend. If he's your best friend, he needs to abide by your requests. Otherwise, he's not your best friend forever. He's your best friend between 2018 and 2022. Okay, he was your bro then, but now he needs to he needs to back out. He needs to learn no. Okay, gay guys need to learn no. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what else to tell you. I it's pretty straightforward. These are these are freaking easy. Can't we find something any more complicated than this? Well, I guess not. 
And maybe that's where it should end it. For the most part, yeah. So to review, uh, let's see. We had the porn star. Okay, don't change your son's name because a porn star has the same name. Please don't do that because he's going to change it back. He's going to resent you. Uh, the guy who gets off sexually on the work that he does for the nonprofit organization needs to knock it off or he needs to be shit canned. The, um, let's see. And pressing charges against a waitress who trapped you in the bathroom for no reason. No, she's already quit and moved on and she's already left town. So that's the end of that. You can just leave that where it is. And the best friend who's been harassing your roommate, he needs to knock it off or you need to stop being friends with him. Okay. You'll always have more friends. You'll always have more family. And uh, that's the end of that. And that is the end of this podcast. I want to thank you guys for uh, listening, watching, and subscribing. I always have more notes and more thoughts. And I think after week 100, yes, I am going to do the Sunday leftovers where I take all the articles and all the questions that I actually didn't get to review during the week. And I will jump on and do an additional quick Innie and Audi uh, podcast uh, released on a Sunday just because there's so much other stuff to get to and we'll see how it goes but I'm definitely going to get into that because I think it would be a really good idea and I think that's pretty good so find me on all social media um, that I'm currently on because uh, it feels good to not be on Twitter Everybody, people seem to be complaining about Twitter more and more often I'm glad I'm not on it anymore I feel good I'm trying to get my buddy Turcot off there too but you can find me on, you still can find me on the other evil empires, Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, facebook.com slash positive sarcasm, and facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I didn't get a chance to talk about that, uh, maybe another time, but I did drop a new video on YouTube. It's a cinematic retro concept uh, called Cyberpunk Adventures, and I may actually do more stuff with that theme. Uh, it was a lot, it was fun to make, it was, it was crazy to edit. There was a lot of running back and forth between stuff and editing and fixing. And it was it was a timing. It had to be timed a certain way. And I had a lot of fun uh, sampling new special effects, finished product special effects, and jamming it all together into this very interesting sub subject. So go to my YouTube channel. Go to my YouTube channel. Uh, Positive Sarcasm. Hit subscribe. Hit the little bell to turn on notifications. And check out my uh, all my old stuff all my shitty stuff and all my new much better stuff also if you need a wedding videographer give me a call uh i'm look forward to doing more weddings next year actually and uh there's a couple you can go out check out hitch and run you can go and check out week 98 you can go and check out uh derek and sagda all wedding videos that i did and just all my other themes in general that i've been playing around with so you can go and check out the youtube channel uh if you want to watch the live stream, it's facebook.com slash POS sarcasm, uh, twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one, at least for now. I may switch over to Mixer. I don't know. But that would be it. Uh, you can, if you want to, if you need posing music or other questions or comments or concerns, you can email me directly or contact me at positive sarcasm.com. Just hit the contact button or directly positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Just use the subject podcast. Uh, I do check the spam folder as well. But if you need posing music for bodybuilding, that's the way to do it. So thank you guys streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. Uh, find me on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. I'm on all of them. Podcast Addict. You name it, I'm there. So until then, thank you for listening, watching, subscribing. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation.
To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.